0: energy so the barber trims my beard all nice like an artist now i didn't tell him to do that i wanted the beard gone so then i went home and shaved it off completely after i was done i felt horrible the passion rafael devers is the biggest contract in franchise history he needs to be a leader for this red sox team the opinions on all your favorite team are the patriots close to playoff contention yes are they close to super bowl contention hell no this is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Full show, all 90 minutes. We go up until... 7 o'clock, obviously, we had day Red Sox baseball today. Sox beaten by the Pirates. Final score of 4-1. to We'll talk with Tom Karen, our Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson at 545 live. Probably still at Fenway as we speak to him. And then we'll go to Jazz with George Thomas beginning at 7 o'clock. Sox played today not very well. Defensively, they didn't go well. Questionable managerial decisions that couldn't get the big hit. They had a home run taken away by re- replay review. So an ugly day today for the Red Sox against the Pirates, swept by Pittsburgh. We will play some of the lowlights from that one for you. But NTC will join us again in about 15 minutes. You can get in on the text line, 802-585-3026. You can watch us on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live as well. Get your comments in anywhere that you want.
1: Five, four, three, two, one. And
0: here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Six and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. All right, so the report was out yesterday that the New England Patriots this offseason were shopping quarterback Mac Jones. That was the bombshell report that came out yesterday. Let's kind of take it from the beginning here. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, he had the article out yesterday. Mark Bertrand of 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston read part of that report on air. I'll let you hear what's in the report from Beatle right now. Per a
2: source with knowledge of the situation, Belichick has shopped Jones to multiple teams during the 2023 offseason. The full list of potential destinations isn't known. The teams mentioned as potential destinations were the Raiders, Texans, Buccaneers, and Commanders.
0: So you hear that Jones was discussed with four teams. We also learned over the course of the day yesterday that apparently last year, Mac Jones sought help from outside the organization. He did not feel confident in what the Patriots were doing, so he called his coaching staff at Alabama and basically asked them for help and asked them to try to, get, to, to give guidance to the Patriots. That's where we're at. Bill Belichick found out about that, and now maybe that, and he wasn't happy, and maybe that has led to him shopping Mac Jones. So, Mac doesn't like what's going on. He calls Alabama and says, "Hey, get these guys in line for me here. Tell them what they're doing wrong." Bills like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not going to fly on my watch and maybe now that's why maybe Mac is wanted elsewhere." Then Doug Kide, our buddy, came on yesterday or came out yesterday and said the Patriots have gotten no offers that have been good enough for Mac, so therefore he hasn't been traded yet. There's a lot of layers to this one. We're going to cover all of them throughout this show today and the show tomorrow. But my very first reaction, above all else, is just, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, seriously, that's the only reaction you can have. Look how far we have come. Look how far we have come in just two years. Two years ago, the New England Patriots passed on a chance to trade up a couple of picks, and get Justin Fields in favor of taking Mac Jones. Two years ago, the New England Patriots cut a respected veteran who was well-liked in Cam Newton so that Mac Jones could start game one of the season. Two years ago, the Patriots were on an upswing, supposedly, when they went 10-7 and and got to the playoffs. Heck, last summer... Bill Belichick would tell anyone that would listen how great Mac is, how much he's improved, how much better he's getting, how it was Mac Jones' job. And last year, Mac Jones could do no wrong. But now, Bill Belichick is looking to trade him. That's a pretty big fall from grace in a year. It's a pretty big fall from grace in two years. I mean, you talk about the penthouse to the outhouse. That is this story in a nutshell. You don't see teams want to trade their starting quarterback very often. Sometimes you'll see teams trade their quarterback because of contract issues or something, but almost never do we see a quarterback on a rookie deal that still has three years left. Almost never do we see a team want to get rid of that guy. We have talked so much about how valuable the rookie contract is to an NFL team and how a rookie quarterback contract is what all teams should be desiring and for a team to actively want to trade that wow is all I can say That's it that's all I can. there's a lot of layers to it we'll get to all of them but my first reaction is wow And this is now sadly a trend for this organization the team that, that that suppressed drama for all those years now seems to be wrapped up in an awful lot of it, doesn't it? Cam Newton's vaccine drama, coaching hires, Mac on the sideline with his swearing and his antics, Robert Kraft back-to-back years, owners uh, meeting comments, the stuff with Tom Brady. There just seems to be something about this team now, and we just seem to be filled with drama. There's always something with this team. And that didn't used to be the case. That did not used to be the case. I do have a few questions about this. Remember, TC is going to be with us in about eight minutes. I do have a question, a few questions, about this. One, how are we defining the word shopping here? Right? Mac Jones, Bill Belichick is shopping Matt jo- Mac Jones. Mac Jones. How are we defining the word shopping? Is this Bill Belichick is actively picking up the phone, making the first call and saying, hey, I got this guy, let's make a deal? Because to me, that is shopping. Or is it everybody's at the combine around the bar, couple of tequila shots deep, saying, hey, what do you think about this on a napkin and passing it to the other guy? Or is it Bill Belichick is just listening on Mac Jones? How do we define shopping? That is something that I want to know. Is Bill Belichick calling and offering deals? Is he taking calls and listening and countering? Is it not that big a deal and it's just some scuttle at the combine? I don't know. It's something I'd like to know. Number two, if Bill Belichick is is or has been actively shopping Mac Jones what is the motivation behind it what is the motivation for trading Mac Jones does he think that Mac Jones stinks and he can't play and that's why he wants him gone does he think That Mac Jones needs to be taught a lesson because how dare he go outside the family and go over my head and talk to Alabama coaches behind my back? And now Bill Belichick is here to retaliate? Is that what this is about? Or is this a situation where Bill Belichick is desperate and trying to save his own backside? Does Bill Belichick hear Robert Kraft's comments about job security? Does he hear Robert Kraft's comments about needing to win and does he think, oh boy, I'm in trouble. I better start pushing some different buttons. What is this about? Does Bill think Mac stinks? Does Bill think Mac is a traitor who needs to be taught a lesson or is Bill reading the the writing on the wall saying uh- oh, I'm in trouble. time to do something drastic. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. And then finally, the last thing that I want to know, At this point, out of this scenario, who wants this story out there? As I've gotten deeper into this business, I have realized that when a story comes out, it's generally because somebody wanted it out there. So who is that somebody in this case? I doubt it's Bill Belichick. This this can't be good for him in any way, right? This can't do him any good. All this does is anger his quarterback and bring up a distraction. That's all this does. I can't imagine Bill Belichick wants this out there. Does Mac Jones benefit from this being out there? Do Mac Jones' people want this out there saying, hey, Bill's already trying to trade him. We want out too. Come and get us. I don't know. Does Mac Jones say, hey, if... If he's going to trade me, I just want out. Let's just leak that he wants to trade me, and then we can start to get some suitors coming in. And I want out of here too. Maybe. But I don't know who fully benefits from this. Do one of the teams that the Patriots were talking to leak this to the media and and try to create the issue and controversy so that Mac gets mad and Mac has to get traded and they want to get him? I don't know. But I want to know who puts this out there. Who puts this out there? There's always somebody that leaks something to the media. Who was it in this case, and what exactly was their motivation? That's the answer that we need to know. There's a couple of different questions there. We're gonna get to a lot of it throughout this show and tomorrow's show as well. I think tomorrow we're gonna talk with Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio. We're gonna get his perspective on things. TC gonna be with us here momentarily. So, we'll take a break from the Mac Jones story. We'll go to baseball. Red Sox had a day game today. They were swept by the Pirates. It was a cold and bitter day at Fenway. The Red Sox lose it. Three straight losses against Pittsburgh today. The Bats go silent again by a score of 4-1. to one. Tom Karen, Red Sox insider over at Nesson, probably still on the concourse at Fenway, going to be with us next. here on the Brady Farkas Show on TV. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on this Wednesday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. As heard on this station earlier today, the Red Sox beaten by the Pittsburgh Pirates, swept by Pittsburgh. Final score today was 4-1. to one. The Red Sox are now 2-4. and four. Joining us now on the phone line, as he does every Wednesday at this time, is Tom Karen, our Sox insider over at Nesson. TC, are you still in the Nesson studio or have you made it out of the parking lot yet?
2: uh no, we're out of the parking lot on the way home, trying to get away from that uh three game series as quick as possible
0: what's a hap- what what what's a nastier place right now Patriots twitter or red sox twitter
2: oh it's a good that's a great question i would uh i would uh if you're dipping your toe into either I would tread very uh carefully uh it is um you know, for the Red Sox, it, it, the promise of that offense over the first three days kind of carried you that, okay, well, they're going to hit the ball. That'll overcome some of the pitching. Uh, then we saw that you yeah, had the five-run first inning in the first game against Pittsburgh. You still lose that. That one's the, the one that hurts. These two other days, the bats have gone cold. You, you should have won that game Monday, and, and that's the one that's so hard to uh, to kind of put away. But, I, it's it. you know, this is – this is the sum of the fears that people had about this team, that they won't pitch and that some of the new guys are going to have trouble settling in as, uh, as offensive contributors on this team. It's still very early. You can't draw legitimate conclusions, but there are certainly things to worry about here. The home runs allowed, the, the stolen bases, the running game against the Red Sox is, is ridiculous right now, and, uh, and inconsistent work from the bullpen. I mean, that, those are all legitimate concerns.
0: One thing you didn't mention is the one thing I was surprised to hear on the Red Sox radio network right here on DEV. It was Will Fleming and 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 uh, Lou Merlone talking about the idea of moving Masataka Yoshida down in the order already. I mean, TC, that seems a little early and reactionary, does it not?
2: Well, I, I understand where they're coming from. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on this guy coming out of the World Baseball Classic. He's a cleanup hitter. He's playing in a cold climate with travel that he's never sort of dealt with before. he take a train everywhere in Japan and played in the Dome and it was warm. Uh, you know, it, 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 he had the one home run, and it was a nice moment. But but by and large, uh, it either seems like he's kind of cheating a bit and getting ahead of things, or he's way behind on, on some of the, the high fastballs, which he said, that's the type of pitch I didn't see a lot of in Japan. I'm going to have to get used to that. So I, I understand where they're coming from, and you've got some other guys like Duval who have been clobbering the ball. So maybe, maybe you can take a little pressure off him. Doesn't mean you have to do it permanently. Again, when not that long ago, we were talking about this guy as a leadoff hitter. Then, then he changed all our minds, and he's been cleaning up. We'll see if maybe they do move him around a little bit. I'm guessing he'll get a day off here before too long. Alex Corr with day games likes to give guys day off, get them off their feet. We, we saw Duval and Kike not in the line at the start today, so maybe that's how they'll make the move with Yoshida.
0: The thing that's interesting to me with Yoshida is he seems to be beating the ball into the ground a lot. That would be the thing that that I've noticed. I won't even say concerns me is that he's not hitting the ball in the gap. He's hitting the ball in the ground a lot. Do you see?
2: Yeah, and even I mean he's gotten on base four times from errors. Yeah. So so I mean he's you know it kind of looks better than it's been right because you've seen him on base being part of things uh, and and you know at the beginning right he was with the base hit, they're all single. You know, except for the one home run, everything. I think he's had five singles and a and a walk and a home run. Uh, that's kind of who we thought he was—a bad ball guy. And then I, I feel like the last two days he's kind of started expanding this a little bit, maybe trying to be too much. You know, you got a guy trying to live up to the role of cleanup hitter. Yeah, you know, take that away and give him a lesser
0: role. Tom Karen, Red Sox insider over at Nesson with us here in the Brady Farca show on DEV. Let's get to the controversy of today's game. The Red Sox were finally getting good starting pitching. Corey Kluber, five innings, I think had just given up two runs, if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe only one, only through 67 pitches, and he's out of the game. Why?
2: I, I didn't like it, and I don't know why. Uh, it was only one run. He uh, had given up the solo homer to lead off. Yeah, the, that's right. He, what, fourth inning, and then he got the last six batters he faced. Seemed to be dealing, my guess is, and, and nobody really challenged Cora on at the post game. my guess is it was you know the whole facing the lineup third time through the order he'd been through it twice analytics say that that pitchers without uh, a lot of velocity and that's him uh they will struggle third time through the order you had Reynolds on deck to begin the next inning they didn't want him to face third time but then the bullpen came in and, and had trouble so that backfired in their face but I didn't like it you saw Keller 107 pitches and, and really deal with the Red Sox. I would like think we we'll get at least one
0: more inning. You know, I understand that maybe the easy answer is just they didn't win the last three nights, but I feel like I've seen in the early going a lot of Caleb Ort, a lot of Ryan Brazier, and a lot of Zach Kelly, and not a lot of Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin, the guys that are supposed to be there to bolster up this bullpen. I feel like I've seen a lot of the guys that I, I even question if they belong on the roster.
2: Yeah, the, the winning guys, right? We talked about this today uh, in studio that, that they, you know, you need a game where you have a, a two-three run lead and you can go Schreiber, Martin, Jansen to close it out. Uh, we haven't had those games. They've all been, you know, even the games they've won have been wild, come from behind wins for the most part. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, Kelly and Ort. Uh, those are the guys you, you're throwing out there when you're down by a few runs. It just seems they've been down by a few runs every night. So I think that's a big part of it. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, they're at, and I'd have to update it today, I think they're at 28 and two-third innings of work through six games, the bullpen. That's not sustainable. I mean, nobody, you know, no bullpen is is, is equipped to throw five innings a game. And, and that's where, yeah, Winkowski's been a godsend. He's been really good, giving up one run over six innings, an, an inning and a day off, two innings, two days off, now three innings. He'll be off for a couple of days, but but he's been a, a really good out of the bullpen. Uh, but today, the bullpen came in, and you had all kinds of uh, traffic and trouble right away.
0: On the pitching front, there is some good news coming. Garrett Whitlock looks like he's going to make one more rehab start and then could be back within a week or so. Bayo working uh, and Paxton working as well, too. It looks like, you know, knock on wood, everything could be whole here by the end of April. And then when that happens, I think a lot of the questions we just talked about could go away. Right, TC?
2: Oh, I think so, yeah. then you got to make some tough decisions you know, a guy like Caleb Borg is probably on the chopping block, but then you get into, is Cutter Crawford going to go to Worcester? That allows you to keep everybody and keeps him stretched out, uh, but if you think he's a guy who can help you in long relief, that becomes a little more difficult. You know, Joey Rodriguez, the lefty reliever, is going to be back eventually. Great problem to have as these guys come back, but it means you're going to make some tough decisions. Uh, you know, you always see guys get injured and these things end up working themselves out of the field oldest cliche in baseball, but uh, to me, Winkowski and Peo are, are so important to what this team wants to do. Two good, young, live arms. Uh, and you, you need these guys back. I, I really want to see what Whitlock can do as a starter and, and you know, look good, work quickly and work efficiently with Worcester. Gets another opening day start now for the Sea Dogs, And it, it sounds like Tuesday at Tampa Bay he'll be the first of the three back.
0: You know, we talk about Yoshida – kind of dealing with struggles and being maybe yo-yoed around the lineup potentially. He's a professional. I think he could probably adapt to things. Tristan Casas is a very young guy. He's a rookie. He's going through it a little bit here in the first week of the season. It's obviously too early to be reactionary on him in any way. But we've also seen what happens to a young player when you let the leash be too long, and that was Bobby Dahlbeck. How do you massage a young player properly kind of through these early season troubles?
2: Yeah, it's a good question and, and you know, one we'll see. I mean, but but you're right about Dahlbeck, uh, uh, Jaron Duran, another guy who came up with with a lot of hype and a lot of potential and struggled and, and has not been the same since. Uh, Casas is a different guy. We've talked about him. He's a unique individual. I I don't know if you got to hear the post-game interview talking about his decision to go to third base uh, on the ground ball that, that ultimately it didn't work. The guy at third was safe, but his his explanation was really mature. He's talking about the speed of the batter, and he weighed out both. He had visualized it all before the at-bat. What am I going to hmm. do if it's hit to my right? And, and he really, you know, Will Middlebrook's like me. He goes, that, that sounds like a guy who's been in the league 20 years. Hmm. So I, I, I do think that Casas is the type of guy you can let struggle a little bit without it crushing his confidence or, and crushing who he thinks he is. Because he is a really, really confident baseball player, a really confident young man in a good way. So I I don't think we're anywhere near the point of having to pull that leash yet. You might get there if we're talking about the same numbers in a week or ten days, but right now I don't think we're anywhere close to
0: that. You know, I'm watching the game on Nesson earlier, and uh, Dave O'Brien goes to Uke and says... At what point do you start looking at standings? You look up, Tampa Bay is 6-0 and and you're 2-4. and I don't believe any player that says, I don't look at the standings until June. You look at the standings on day one. You might not get worried until June, but you're looking at the standings and you know what things are on day one. TC, for you, at what point do you start to notice the standings and think, okay, you're four games back already. Can you really afford to get seven, eight games back?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to straddle the fence on you here, but I look at records, not standings. I really don't care how many games the Red Sox are back uh, because they've got 156 games to make up those games. So so standings as far as where you sit in relation to others doesn't interest me. The fact that the Tampa Bay Rays are 6-0 and and are winning every game by four runs or more, that's what I'm looking at. Not because they're... Three or four games ahead of you now, but because all right, these guys got something going. Let's see where it leads. Because teams do, and Cora talked about this with us a couple of days ago. Teams do run away and high. You know, you, you start fifteen and three, you're probably going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, unless you go three and fifteen at some point, you probably won't. So, so those early starts matter. And, and you know, I, I, I you know, when you jump about the standings, right? It's it's stand Bay race and everybody else is clumped up within the game right now. So that, that doesn't mean anything. But but teams getting off to good starts, the Phillies getting off to a horrible start, those things matter because then the pressure cranks up when you're off to a bad start. Red Sox are closer to the bad start, but I don't think it's quite there yet. You won the series against Baltimore. You showed the offense. Then you just played like crap for the last two games. Uh, but We'll see when they go off to Detroit, who's another team that you, you should hopefully win. Now, Lou Merlone had a great point in spring trading. He said, I, "I when I played – I hated playing bad teams early in the season because they don't know they're bad yet. Yeah, you know, you you get the Pittsburgh Pirates when they're 20 games under 500 in June, and and you know you you kind of have a leg up on them before the game begins. You play the Pittsburgh Pirates in the second series of the season, and you got O'Neill Cruz trying to say this is this is the beginning of of the new regime. This is the beginning of the young Bucks who are going to get some done. So. When you look at the schedule, say, man, they play a lot of teams that struggled last year, but you almost play them too early because they don't have the weight of their struggle weighing them down anymore.
0: TC, let's talk about the Bruins. One question on the way out the door. The Bees wrapped up the President's Trophy recently and uh, looks like you know maybe a date with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round of the playoffs. A couple of games left in the regular season. Uh, your thoughts on the Bees right now?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're doing all the right things. The other day, they gave up the lead, they come back, they get the win, and... You know, I, I, there's been a lot of talk down here about whether or not the record is worth pursuing. It's worth pursuing because it just means you win games and you, you should try to win games. And, and you know, you, you get the best record. It absolutely doesn't mean anything if you don't win the Cup, okay? You, you get the best record in history or the most wins in history and then you lose the first round, it's an abstract failure. That said, you've accomplished something. You can't win the playoffs right now because the playoffs hasn't started. What you can do right now is set the record, so go for it. <laughs> go Go set the record, but, but do it while resting guys and that's what we've seen right we're rotating guys through they've got enough depth that they can do this I was at an event last week with Brad Marchand and Charlie Coyle I, the attitude is unbelievable they to a man right now are, they don't think they've accomplished anything they know that this team is going to be judged by what happens in the Stanley Cup playoffs and, and I think that's you know that's going to really carry this team a long way it doesn't mean they're going to win because they're going to face a ton of pressure as soon as these playoffs start there's going to be the weight of this hockey world on their shoulders because they're expected to win it all after a season like that. Uh, I you know, Penguins. I don't think it'd be a bad matchup in the first round. Islanders would be a little bit of a thornier first round draw. Um, but I I you know I think right now uh, they, they got to get their playoffs going so that you know Omar can get a little mojo going in the postseason. These guys can carry this in. But I love the depth. I love the experience. I love the veteran leadership in the room. I love Montgomery's ability to to get this team to brush losses off and move on. Uh, I think they're poised to go really deep. We'll see how deep.
0: TC, we appreciate you as always. We will talk uh, next Wednesday.
2: Sounds
0: good, Brady. Thanks, appreciate all, it. All right, there goes Tom Karen, our Red Sox and Bruins insider over at Nesson. He's uh, just left Fenway Park after the Sox lose four to one today to the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll get the CBS National News update. We'll come back, recap some of what TC had to say. A couple of things sticking out to my sticking out in my head right away. Listening to the Brady Farca Show, brought to you by Fecto Homes on WDEV AM and FM. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Good stuff with Tom Karen as always. Freddie Coleman going to talk with me tomorrow. Buster Olney uh, on the show tomorrow as well, as always, with us on a Thursday. So good stuff from TC. A, a couple of things here. One, I think it's far too early to, to do anything drastic with Yoshida. I mean, I get it. The, it feels urgent. It feels lost, and he's struggling, and it's cold. It's new for him. Take some pressure off him. Masataki Yoshida is 29 years old. He's not a 21-year-old rookie. I'm sure he has dealt with stretches where he struggled. I'm sure he has dealt with stretches where things felt not great for him. I trust that he'll figure it out. You believed in him enough to sign him to a five-year deal. You believed in him enough to give him $90 million. You believed in him enough to put him as your cleanup hitter. You need to believe in him longer than six games. It's just that simple to me. So, you know, they're talking about moving him down in the order. You know, it's it's Lou and it's uh, and Will Fleming on our airwaves saying, Oh, maybe move him down in the order. I don't think you need to do that. There are not a lot of options, right? Duvall, you could put it four. And then you're going to what are you going to put Yoshida next? You're going to put him at eight or something and let Reese McGuire hit six? No. Just leave Yoshida where he is for right now. You want to give him a day off to clear his head. I can get behind that, but I don't think you need to all of a sudden treat him like he's a rookie and move him all the way down in the order. The thing with Casas I also think is interesting is that I also think you stick with him, but I would have him down in the order. He is a rookie. I would not put the pressure of having to be a run producer on Tristan Casas. I would not put the pressure of having him be you know, seen as the top prospect. I would have Tristan Casas hitting seventh or something like that. That I would do. Take the pressure off of him. Yoshida, I think, can handle it. I want to make sure you don't break Casas in the way that Dahlbeck got broken for a while. The way that Duran was broken for a while. The Red Sox need these guys. Elsewhere on today, Corey Kluber threw five innings, 67 pitches, was actually looking good, and they took him out. I disagree with that decision. He gave up just one run. He was down one nothing at the time. They lose the game 4-1. The bullpen couldn't hold it. The defense didn't do them any favors either. The Red Sox, we, we talked yesterday about how they are what we thought they were and how they, they haven't gotten any depth out of their starting rotation. They were actually in a position to get that depth in the starting rotation, and they screwed themselves on that. Corey Kluber is not a dynamite pitcher. He is not the guy who he was five years ago or seven years ago. But he was still pitching well today, and it was a tough environment to hit in. And, if he, look, if he gives up two runners to start the sixth inning, then so be it. You made the decision there, and you were wrong. But I would rather them go for it than have what happened to them today happen to them. Uh, I got to say, I'm really enjoying the pace of play in these games. I don't think anybody really has missed a beat. I, don't, I haven't heard a whole lot of complaining outside. Look, you know, Machado got ejected yesterday. But uh, you look at today. Today's game was 135. We were on the air by 4:20 for the afternoon news service. It was a 2 hour and 50 minute game. 2:45. It was played in the cold in April. And I think they're only going to get crisper as we go on. I've seen games yesterday's Marlins game was an hour and 57. I'm all, I am all for it. The whole thing to me was never about pace of play. The whole thing was lack of action. But what we have done is we have kept action in the game and we have increased the pace of that action. So I I am liking this. I am liking where we are at right now. And uh, I agree that this is a good thing for the game of baseball. Uh, Elsewhere today within the Red Sox game, just a frustrating offensive performance. I mean, that's really all you can say about today. Again, defense wasn't great. Costas made the questionable play to throw the third to try to get a four, uh, try to get a fielder's choice. Couldn't do it. Didn't get him in time. They had the play with Blyer where he uh, couldn't make the play back at the mound. All the balls hit hard. Defense wasn't great. Bullpen wasn't great. But ultimately, this one fell on the offense. Right? You sat two of your starters. Kiki Hernandez didn't play in this game. Adam Duvall didn't play in this game. And nobody was able to pick him up. And that's a problem. Scored two runs back-to-back nights against a team that lost 100 games last year. Pirates lost 100 games last year. You scored one run back-to-back nights. It's supposed to be a good thing when you get the Pirates on your schedule instead of the Yankees, when you get the Pirates on your schedule instead of the Blue Jays. This weekend, This week it wasn't. Red Sox got swept. And I do not believe anybody that tells me they don't start looking at the standings right away. You are a liar if you don't. Again, you may not get worried about standings until June or July or August 1st or whatever, but you're looking at them. Kevin Euclid on the broadcast is like, ah, I didn't know you know what things were at. at the beginning. Yes, you did. You know that the Rays are 6-0. and You know that you're 2-4. and You know you're four games out, and you're starting to think to yourself, whoa, don't want to get 5-out, don't want to get 6-out, don't want to get 8-out, don't want to get 10-out, because if you do that, then you end up with, you know, you end up out of it early, and you don't want to be out of it early. So, um, I disagree with the notion that, uh, you know, the standings people are unaware of them this early in the season. I don't think so. Texter says, "I love it." I don't know what he's talking about. Probably the Red Sox struggles. Oh, oh, the pace of play. Yeah, it's been great. It has been great. Games are ending earlier in the night games are ending quicker and things are still happening. What my biggest fear was that we were going to try so hard to get the games going quick that we were going to create a whole bunch of inaction. We were going to get yeah, the games would be over in 2 hours and 8 minutes, but they'd all be one nothing and they'd be essentially soccer. We haven't seen that. I'm looking around baseball today and what do we have? We have a 7 we have a 7-6 game, we have an 8-2 game, we have a 7-3 game, we have a another seven run output. We have games we have games that are being well pitched, right? Otani pitched for the Angels. It's 2 1 Angels in the seventh. So there's a quick game that is well pitched. But we see quick games that are also involving a lot of offense. And that was the thing that I wanted. I want to see, I want to know I'm going into a game knowing that anything can happen. Could I see a two hour and fifty eight minute 10 8 game? Sure. Can I see a one nothing game? Sure. Can I see a no hitter? Sure. I want to know that all ranges of outcomes are on the board. My biggest fear was that we were going to try so hard to get games over quickly that we were going to take away offense. Well, that hasn't been the case. We have seen plenty of offense. So, uh, there you go. All right, I want to go back into the Patriots situation here because this situation with Mac Jones is, uh, is very, very interesting. And it's not a great look for the Patriots. Now, Mac Jones handled part of this situation extremely wrong. Extremely wrong. But, Bill Belichick is still ultimately the guy to blame. And don't forget that. Let me say that again. Mac Jones handled part of this wrong. Really wrong. But Bill Belichick is still the guy to blame. So, Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk, says that Mac Jones last year called up the Alabama coaches in the season and basically told them to offer up suggestions to the Patriots coaching staff. Like, hey, Nick Saban, call up Bill Belichick and give him a few pointers, would you? That's what Chris Sims is alleging. And if that's true, I mean, Mac Jones, what are you doing? I talk about Mac Jones handling it wrong. That is the definition of handling it wrong. You never call up your college coaches and tell them to call up your NFL coaches and tell them that they don't know what they're doing. I mean, my goodness. My goodness. Would you call your mother-in-law and tell them to call your mother that... That that she doesn't know what she's doing? I don't think so. Would you call your high school coach and have them tell your college coach that your college coach is a moron? No, you wouldn't. And then you really never call your college coach and ask them to give tips to your pro coach when your college coach and your pro coach are best friends. I mean, this is like... I want to if I wasn't so mad about it, I'd want to laugh my tail off. If this was another quarterback in another situation that wasn't the Patriots, I'd be laughing my tail off. I mean, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are each other's closest relationship in coaching. They are best friends. Whatever gets said to Nick Saban or gets to or gets to Nick Saban will get to Bill Belichick. Mac Jones had to know that. If Mac Jones calls up, the, calls up Nick Saban directly and says, Nick, I don't know what we're doing here this year. Can you call up Bill and ask him to do this, that, or the other? I mean, really? You don't think Nick Saban's going to tell Bill Belichick that and you're going to come off looking bad? Poor decision by Mac Jones. You couldn't possibly think that that's a good idea. Yeah, Texter says you must be kidding. You couldn't possibly think that this is a good idea. So Bill Belichick is upset That Mac Jones went behind his back and tried to undermine him. I get why Bill Belichick is upset. I get why Bill Belichick is bothered. Not the right thing to do if you're Mac Jones. And especially not with Alabama and Nick Saban and their connection to the Patriots and Belichick. That is absurd that Mac Jones did that. That isn't good for anybody. Doesn't make Mac look good. Doesn't make Belichick look good. And it puts Saban in this weird middle where you know he's got to go against his player and talk to his best friend. So dumb, dumb, dumb on Max Park on part. But that said, I'm not going to completely crush Mac. I just did a fair amount of Mac bashing on this, but I'm not going to completely crush him for wanting an outside voice. He chose the wrong outside voice. He definitely did. But I'm not going to crush him for wanting an outside voice and to talk to an outside voice that he believes in. He should not have asked Alabama's coaching staff to teach the Patriots. But come on, we all do this. When we are frustrated in our jobs, don't we all try to seek out somebody who is on the outside every single one of us? It's pretty normal to do that. I'm not going to crush Mac Jones entirely for doing the exact same thing that nearly all of us would do and nearly all of us have done. We've all done it. Right? If I got frustrated with WDEV tomorrow with my job here, guess what I'd do? I'd call up my other radio friends around the country and I'd pick their brain. I'd vent to them. Hey, this is what we're doing here. I'm not loving it. What do you do there? Oh, really? Right? That's exactly what I would do. I have a mentor in this business. I have multiple people in this business that I trust. I would call up any of them if I got frustrated tomorrow and say, hey, talk me down a little bit here. Tell me why this is okay, and if it's not okay, tell me what I can do to be better and get through it. That is how. That is what employees do in real-life scenarios. Mac Jones chose to contact the wrong people. He 100% chose to contact the wrong people. But his heart is in the right place, and his heart is in the same place that yours and mine is in when we get frustrated at work. This happens all the time, right? Guys, Tom Brady brought his own guy with him on the plane. Everybody's got outside counsel in their life. Players got their own pitching coaches, their own hitting coaches. Players got their own quarterback's coach. Players go to people outside the organization all the time. All the time. It happens in sports everywhere. But that said, Mac Jones just went to the wrong people. But don't forget that even though Mac went to the wrong people, it's still Bill Belichick's fault ultimately, and that's kind of what Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston hinted at yesterday.
3: I could just, I could just say based on a couple of conversations that I had, one well, with one person who was close to the situation, with another who uh, used to be here in New England and is no longer but is following from afar. Both have said Mac Jones wasn't coached last year. And so he wasn't coached. He wasn't coached, and now he's the problem somehow. How do we get here? That, I think, is how people are looking at this uh, situation right now, is it's you got to give him a little bit of credit. Even if you're mad about how he handled things, he cares. He tried to put a decent product on the field.
0: Mac Jones, I, I give Mac Jones credit for that. Phil is right. Mac Jones cares. He was trying to do everything he could to make the situation better, make himself better. I do give him praise for that. He went about it the wrong way. But Bill Belichick is the reason for all of this. And do not forget it. Mac Jones calling Alabama was the wrong thing. Mac Jones missteps as a leader last year, his whininess on the uh, the field, his unhappiness. Well, if Bill Belichick doesn't put Mac Jones in that position, and Mac Jones doesn't get to the breaking point that he feels like he has to call Alabama. And that's the real problem. Right? That's the real problem. You can all be mad at your girlfriend because she dumped you or because she's mad at you, but what are the 19 things that you did to her to get her to that point where she threw you out of the house? You could be mad that she made you sleep on the couch. Well, what are the 19 things that you did that caused her to get to that point with you? That's where we're at here. Mac Jones reacted wrongly, but he was put in a situation he never should have been in. Your head coach is supposed to put you in the best position possible to succeed, and Bill Belichick didn't do that. In fact, Bill Belichick used Mac Jones as part of a very, very gone wrong experiment. That's where this all stems from. Mac Jones' rookie year, good soldier, did what he was told, played well, felt comfortable, trusted people. They got to the playoffs. This year, you put Mac Jones in the middle of an experiment, the whole thing implodes, and he's left trying to figure out what to do to pick up the pieces. Yeah, he chose wrong, but it's your fault that he had to choose it all. You didn't coach him, as Phil just said. You didn't give him a lot of help. You you didn't try to bring – you brought in the wrong coaching staff entirely. It's not like Mac Jones could go to anyone on staff and say, hey, I'm not really sure what we're doing here. He didn't have anything there with Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, or Joe Judge. It is their fault that he was in this position. Their fault. Bill Belichick's fault. Never should have been there. So Mac chooses the wrong thing, but he never should have had to choose, period. He never Should have had to choose, period. Um, I'm going to stick on the Patriots. I want to stick on this topic. I want to get to who's saying what, though. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say?
2: What is he doing? He's stealing money. What the hell is he doing? He should have gotten his surgery. They were out of it in August. Why did they get the surgery done in August? They could have played beginning of the year. That's a joke with
0: him. They really said that?
2: Every damn thing is politics and race. And I'm losing my mind over it.
0: It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Parker Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEBRadio.com. We started the conversation earlier in the show by wondering what exactly is Bill Belichick's motivation here? If Bill Belichick truly is looking to trade Mac Jones, what exactly is his motivation? Does he think that Mac Jones just stinks and cannot play And that's the reason he wants to get rid of him. Is he mad that Mac Jones defied him and went outside the family looking for help? Or is he desperate? Which is what Andy Hart of WEEI wondered.
2: I also wonder if another D word, we start with dysfunction, desperation. Like, is Bill feeling some pressure,
3: whether it's there or not from Robert Kraft and the record and whatever else it may be? and.
2: Even the rehab process now for Mac, is that going to be, well, one year is rehab, then the next year is we make a jump. How long do I have left? Do I need to go in a different direction at the quarterback position to try to expedite this process, whether it's record or save my own skin?
0: 802-585-3026, I'll ask you, do you think that this is because Bill Belichick is desperate? Is that the reason that Bill Belichick was allegedly looking to trade Mac Jones? I have a hard time believing that. I just do. And I know Bill Belichick is smart. I might be wrong and naive. I think that Bill Belichick is aware of his own situation. I think that Bill Belichick believes and knows that things could get rocky for him. I think he knows there's pressure on him. But I don't think that Bill Belichick is out here trying to chase things. I don't believe Bill Belichick is desperate enough to have to chase things. I believe Bill Belichick believes in things like process too much to just go chasing something out of desperation. I do not think it's that. In fact, I think it's more of the second option that I gave you. I believe Bill Belichick is furious that Mac Jones went outside the family. I believe that Bill Belichick is ticked that Mac Jones defied him by going to talk to the coaches at Alabama. That, now, we can debate whether that's right or wrong for how Bill Belichick to handle it, but I think if, if Bill Belichick was truly looking to trade Mac Jones, then I believe it's because he doesn't want to deal with him anymore. That's what I believe. Bill Belichick, in my opinion, is trying really hard to keep the Patriots' system working. He's trying really hard to keep the Patriot way intact. Since Tom Brady left, it's been about keeping the Patriot way and the system whole. And here you have Mac Jones, who went outside the family, who went outside the system, defied Bill Belichick, and now I think Bill Belichick is thinking, I need to make an example of this guy. If Bill Belichick is truly looking to trade his starting quarterback I don't believe it's because Mac can't play entirely. I don't believe it's because Bill Belichick is trying to save his own skin. I do believe it's because Bill Belichick is saying, I need to do something stern here to let people know that the system is bigger than the team. We've been told that forever. That the team is bigger than one player. We've been told that the system is bigger than one player. And if Mac Jones goes outside the system, then he needs to have an example made of him. That is what I believe. That is what I think the problem is. I think that Bill Belichick is absolutely livid that Mac Jones did this. Livid, embarrassed, and now he wants to make an example. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. We're brought to you by Fecto Homes, and we're always streaming at WDEVradio.com or on your smart speaker. Now the question is this. Simply put, you've heard a lot of the show at this point. Would you trade Mac Jones? Would you trade Mac Jones? I'll give you my answer. might surprise you next on DEV. Think you know sports
2: better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026.
0: Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show WDEV AM and FM and wdevradio.com We're brought to you by Fecto Holmes, we go up until 7 o'clock, then it's Jazz with George Thomas. Red Sox lose today, day baseball, so if you're looking for the Sox tonight, they won't be there. Swept by the Pirates, losing 4-1 to today. We'll play you some of the highlights coming up uh, in the next segment. We'll do that in about 20 minutes, but uh, again, we are up until 7 o'clock. We're talking a lot about this Patriots and Mac Jones story today. The reports that Bill Belichick was shopping Mac Jones over the course of the offseason. It might surprise you what I'm about to say. I would not trade Mac Jones. You know how I feel about him. I don't believe that he's special. I don't believe that he's a guy I'd pay $150 million to. He's not a guy I'd give $100 million guaranteed to. You know all of that. That said, I wouldn't trade him. Because if you did trade Mac Jones, you'd be trading him for pennies on the dollar. And I can't do that. I cannot do that. Trading Mac Jones for penny on the dollar is not a smart thing. And as much as I don't love Mac Jones, I can't trade him for something that's not an upgrade. When there's not an upgrade there, I can't trade him. Trading away Mac Jones and using Bailey Zappi, that's not an upgrade. So I have no interest in that. I don't believe Mac Jones is a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't believe he's a carry the franchise quarterback, but I also don't think you're going two and fifteen with him. So unless you can get an upgrade, I'm not moving on from him. I'm not moving on from him. Mac Jones, I know at least, will give me representative quarterback play and make it interesting for me. Okay? Like I, I want the Patriots to be watchable and relevant. And if they're not going to win the Super Bowl, I would like them to not go 2 and 15 and that's where I think a lot of people are at here if the patriots you know the people want mac gone so they can tank I have no interest in that at the very least keep mac around to give me something to watch on sundays mac is not a guy i want to pay long term but he's a lot better than the alternative i'd rather watch him than bailey zappi i'd rather watch him than tank and there are no the upgrades are off the board right outside of lamar jackson the upgrades are off the board. If I could get Lamar Jackson at a at a decent money, then I would do it. I'd get rid of Mac Jones. But beyond that, there's no upgrade coming. Derek Carr is off the market. He's in New Orleans. Jimmy Garoppolo is off the market. He's in Vegas. Taylor Heineke is off the market. Andy Dalton is off the market. Jacoby Brissett is off the market. Jared Stidham's off the market. Geno Smith is off the market. I don't even know that any of those guys are upgrades over Mac, but they're all gone. So, what exactly is left for you to do? Do you want to trade Mac Jones and sign Carson Wentz? I don't. Philly tried it, moved on. Indy tried it, moved on. Washington tried it, moved on. Why would I think the Patriots would do it better? I so I don't want Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan is 100 years old. Benched last year for somebody named Sam Ellinger? No, thank you. Teddy Bridgewater? No, thank you. I'd rather have Mac than all those guys. So So if you trade Mac Jones, what exactly are you doing next? I told you all along that you were kind of stuck with Mac Jones. He's not good enough to carry you, but he's not bad enough to just cut bait with, given how affordable he is. That's where we're at. I can't get rid of him. I want the New England Patriots to get better, not worse. And there's nobody out there that makes them better than Mac Jones. Plenty of guys make them worse, but I don't want to watch a team go 2-15. I don't want to watch a team. If I'm going to invest six months into this show talking football, six months into this show talking Patriots, if I'm going to invest my time every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday to watch the Patriots, I don't want to see him tank. So, I don't want to see him play with Carson Wentz. I have no interest in that. Even if you were going to trade, let's just say that you wanted the Patriots to draft the quarterback at 14. All the great quarterbacks are going to be gone by 14. So, are you going to trade up into the top five? I'd find that unlikely. If you told me the Patriots could trade up into the top five, then I'd probably be behind it because they could get that upgrade over Mac and reset the market for their quarterback uh, you know, rookie contract deal. But I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. So I think the Patriots just the, – the smart thing to do is to keep Mac and to play with Mac. And that's that, really. I mean, Phil Perry says – or uh, Doug Kide says no good trade offers have come in for Mac. Fine. Then just keep him. And figure out how to repair the relationship on both sides, because both sides—I don't know that—I don't think either side really has a better option. Duh, uh, Mike Florio is the one who started all this with his report yesterday about the Patriots potentially trading Mac Jones. He described Mac's situation in New England as "quote tenuous." He spoke with NBC Sports Boston yesterday.
3: I think it's tenuous and to be determined. And I really do think, at this point, the key is the draft coming up in three weeks and change. Who gets quarterbacks, who doesn't? Because I've said this about Lamar Jackson recently. I think everything with him is on hold until we get through the draft. Teams looking at quarterbacks, the Colts, for example, at number four. If they don't have someone there at number four that they want, and they don't take a quarterback coming out of round one, do they try to get in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes? Are there teams lurking outside of the top 10 that would like to try to explore a trade into the upper reaches of the draft to get a quarterback. If they don't have that opportunity, do they become interested in Lamar Jackson? I think we now throw Mac Jones into that mix.
0: Florio said that I think the plan for Mac Jones also, it's tenuous. The plan for right now for the Patriots is to have Mac compete with Bailey Zappi. We have that. Okay.
3: I think that for now, he's a Patriot. He continues to be a Patriot. He's going to compete for playing time with Bailey Zappi. And... It just adds to the overall intrigue as to where this team is, where this team is heading, and where it's going to
0: be. I have no interest in that. Zero interest in that. I mean, really? Mac has to compete for playing time with Bailey Zappi? A lot of you had Zappi fever last year. I did not. Him against the Bears for a quarter, him against the Bad Browns and the beat-up Lions. I I don't want to see Bailey Zappi get the job. I have an interest in seeing if Bill O'Brien can save Mac Jones. I have an interest in seeing if Bill O'Brien can make Mac Jones look like the first-round quarterback that he's supposed to be, if he can make Mac Jones look like the Heisman finalist that he was, if he can make Mac Jones look like the guy who got to the playoffs or won a national championship at Alabama. I don't have an interest in watching Bailey's happy. Here is where I'm at for the Patriots. It's pretty simple. If you can get Lamar Jackson affordably – Money-wise, I don't even care about picks. I don't care if it's affordable picks. I care about affordable money. If you can get Lamar Jackson affordably, money-wise, I'd move on from Mac Jones tomorrow. If you can't, there aren't really any moves left on the board. All the quarterback free agents that were upgrades, they're all gone. You're not trading for Aaron Rodgers, so that's off the list. The quarterbacks that are still out there are not upgrades on Mac Jones, so they're off the list. So Rodgers you can't get. Tom Brady is not coming out of retirement for you. Lamar Jackson, that's the only one. That's it. If you want to trade up into the top five of the draft, I guess you could do that. I just don't see them doing that. But there are not many moves on the chessboard here for the New England Patriots. There just aren't. I've been as honest as I can be about Mac Jones for two years. He's not my favorite, but he's a hell of a lot better than what else you were telling me they could get. It's the Brady Farkas Show, brought to you by Fecto Homes on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I do have one other piece of, oh, Tom Kern of NBC Sports Boston, he weighed in, agreed with me that Patriots shouldn't trade Mac
2: player who you lauded, a player who another respected coach wanted to take a two overall before moving away from the table, and now you're going to give them away. To me, it's it's not what's best for the team, unless what's best for the team is to not feel uncomfortable.
0: Okay, I mean, that's if Mac and Bill can't get along, then maybe you have to trade them, but beyond that, I, I don't want to. It's not best for the team. And it's fascinating, though, still, how far we have fallen here, how far Mac Jones has fallen. Two years ago, or, or last year, Mac Jones was so – was or Bill Belichick was so entrenched with Mac Jones that he's like, Mac's our starter, Mac's our guy, Mac can do no wrong, and now Bill Belichick at the owners' meetings can't even commit to Mac being the starter. How did we get here? How did we get here? Bill Belichick put Mac in a bad situation. Mac tried to rectify the situation and did it poorly. Now Bill's mad at Mac, and now Bill wants Mac out of town. This is tough stuff here for the Patriots. It's not a uh not a great look. So it's not a great look for anybody here. Um The, the Patriots are a drama-filled organization right now. As we speak, they are a drama-filled organization. This is the kind of stuff that like, I associate with the Browns, with the Cardinals, with the Jets, teams that can't get out of their own way. Well, the Patriots are right now not able to get out of their own way. It seems like there's drama everywhere, and that drama needs to go away. Pat's got to get back to just playing football and being the well-oiled machine that they were for so long. Right now, they are anything But that. It's a Brady Farkas show. Brought to you by Fecto Homes, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Texter says, is there a possibility Brady comes out of retirement? Sure. There's always a possibility that Tom Brady comes out of retirement. Tom Brady loves football. Tom Brady is divorced. He doesn't live with his wife and kids full time. I believe that Tom Brady will be, someone will contact Tom Brady and try to get him to come back. I don't think Tom Brady should come back to New England. One, for Brady's perspective, I don't want to see Brady look like a shell of himself. And he didn't look as good last year in Tampa. And he'd come to New England where he has far less help than he had in Tampa. So you'd be putting a 46-year-old Tom Brady in a bad situation. I don't want Brady to look bad. I don't want to sour his reputation in New England. That's from his perspective. As for the Patriots' perspective... I don't think that 46-year-old Tom Brady is necessarily an upgrade over over, uh, Mac Jones, and certainly not a long-term play. The Patriots need to be developing a long-term answer. And either that's the next three years, Mac Jones getting a lot of help around him and getting a better coaching staff to make him better, or it's figuring out how to get a long-term solution, whether it be in the draft, whether it be through a trade, or whether it be through free agency in the next few years. Tom Brady is not that. He's not a long-term solution. All right, Red Sox lose today. The final score in that one was 4-1. Sox beaten by the Pirates. We'll play you back a couple of the highlights. And uh, I, got a call, I got a call today at the station that I have to give you my yearly PSA about. I'll tell you what this call was. It was a good question. I have to give you my yearly answer
1: to it. That's next on D.
2: the text line at 802-585-3026.
1: This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV and WDEVradio.com. Thank you
0: very much, Freddie. We'll talk to Freddie tomorrow. I'll ask him a lot about this Patriot situation because it really is fascinating. Right now, I want to finish up With the Red Sox who lose 4-1, to but I want to answer this question first. So it's a really good question, and it's a fair question. I get this question every year, and I get this question a bunch of times every year. So it's kind of my yearly reminder to you. We are not able to stream the games online, right? If you're listening to WDEVradio.com or you're listening on your smart speaker or on your phone, we cannot stream the Red Sox game. We are legally not allowed to. So the situation today was we were doing the midday news service and the pregame show ended, uh started rather at 1235. So I was talking to Roger Hill, and when I was done talking to Roger Hill, the game went, the game came on, right? We we got off the air at 1235, the game popped on. Well, the caller called in and said, Hey, I'm listening on my smart speaker. ESPN radio is playing. Why are the Red Sox not on? And it took me a minute to get in my yearly mode of this, and the answer is what I just told you. We are not allowed to stream Red Sox baseball. So if you are listening online or on your smart speaker and the Red Sox are supposed to be on, you will hear ESPN radio. And the reason being is that Major League Baseball has its own audio platform, right? It's called MLB Audio. They want you to pay to have the right to listen to all the games, right? Like, I pay, I pay so I can listen to any radio broadcast of any team in the league, right? I can listen to any game, any broadcast feed, English, Spanish, either team, doesn't matter. Well, if we gave it to you for free, then everybody else would just come and listen to our stream and no one would pay Major League Baseball for the stream, and that's exactly what would happen, right? Like, if I... I'm a Mariners fan. If I want to listen to the Mariners and I found out that a radio station in Seattle was streaming it, I'd just go listen to their stream and I'd avoid paying Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball doesn't want us to do that, so we're not allowed to stream it. And you, if you want to listen on a phone or a smart speaker, have to pay them. You just listen to us, though, on the regular radio. But it's a good question by that listener who was in Northfield so it was uh, a good way to kind of get my yearly reminder on it because people always wonder why we're not able to to do that. Um, all right, Red Sox lose four to one. Not a whole lot of offense in this game, but the offense that did come—that's the—that's uh, the—that's not a uh, Red Sox highlight. Here you go. This is a Red Sox highlight. Red Sox. Gave up a home run to Carlos Santana. The fourth
1: is cranked by Carlos Santana down the right field line, past the pesky pole, and gone. A solo homer for Carlos Santana. He touches them all. And just like that, the Pirates break the scoreless tie. Oh, first pitch. Not just a hanging cutter. Maybe even just slider. maybe a little more break to it, vertical break to it, right into Santana's bat. Big leg kick. Line drive, kind of just hooking around that pesky pole, but
0: counts the same. That's tough because Satana's hitting like 100 coming into this game. Santana's been a long, long-time productive major league player. You know, he was really good with Cleveland for a while. He was with Philly, went back to Cleveland. He spent last he year in Kansas City for a couple of years. He spent last year at the end of the year in Seattle and was a big part of that team for the Mariners getting them to the playoffs and breaking the drought hit a couple of big homers for them was a good team leader but he's not the guy he was seven eight years ago. he's hitting a hundred and he ends up hitting the home run on you today and you lost four to one that only was one run it didn't beat you per se but it's tough that it ended up uh, it's tough that it ended up being something that uh, you know gave you some problems. Santana also came back and gave you problems with an RBI double.
1: The payoff to Santana. Drilled down the right field line. Base hit. And the Pirates will score another run. This is into the corner. Verdugo plays it off the short wall. Cruz steps on home plate. It's a double for Santana. And the Pirates lead it 4-0. That seems like a big run, especially the way the bats have been going here the last couple of days. Probably wouldn't have thought it on Saturday or Sunday, but... Yesterday and today is a different story. It's a fastball, 96, but it's on the bottom of the zone. i like to see him live in the top of the zone with 96, like the other guys that effectively throw that hard. Yeah, so tough uh, day against
0: Carlos Santana. Christian Arroyo did bring in the only Red Sox run. This made it 4-1. to
1: Here's the pitch, and this is a line drive up the middle, and it is off the glove of Bay and into center field. Kostas is around third. He will score, and Christian Arroyo has the Red Sox. First run on the board, a knock for Yo-Yo, and it's four to one.
0: I like what Tom Karen had to say. We spoke to TC earlier in the show. We spoke to him live about an hour ago. You can find that interview online at, uh, you know, on the podcast channel. When the show is over, we're gonna have to put that interview up online uh, when the show is over. But it should be up within a few minutes of the show ending. I like what Tom Karen said. It's hard to play bad teams. Early in the season, because early in the season, bad teams don't know they're bad. I thought that was a that's a, a really good point. It's a really effective way of putting it. The Pittsburgh Pirates lost 100 games last year. The Pittsburgh Pirates have one of their starters, JT Brewbaker, who's going to be out for the year. Right, he's going to be out for the year with Tommy John surgery, and like the Pirates are going to be bad again. They are. They're going to be bad. But right now, they're not bad. If you played them in July, they'd be far more out of it. If you played them in September, they'd be way out of it. Now you play them in April, first day of school feeling, everybody's fresh, everybody's into it, everybody's playing above their head, and they can beat you. We saw this a couple years ago, right? Red Sox got swept by, by the Orioles the first series of the year. Red Sox in 2019 got beat by the Mariners three out of four. Mariners started 14-2 and that year, ended up losing 90 games. Bad teams early don't know they're bad, and here the Red Sox have fallen victim to getting swept by the Pirates. And then the Red Sox are going to go to Detroit and you know, face another team that doesn't pretend to be very good and probably run into the same kind of scenario where the Tigers are playing for their home opener. They're playing loose, they're playing free, and you've got to deal with them. We have a day game tomorrow. Reminder: twelve ten is the pregame show, so we'll be on for a full Brady Farkas show tomorrow. We'll likely be on for a full or close to full afternoon news service. Twelve ten pregame show. The first pitch is one ten. Chris Sale will be on the mound, so it will be worth watching and listening to that game to see how he does. Freddie Coleman's going to be on the show. Buster Olney will be a part of the show as well as he is every single week, and uh, we love talking to Buster. So. Good stuff from TC. Jazz with George Thomas is coming up next. You can go find the show on the podcast channel. We're brought to you by Fecto Homes. This is WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I will see you back here tomorrow with more Red Sox baseball to discuss.